Parsons, you're listening to No Names All Game. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is Wednesday, October 19th, and your Nittany Lions are now 5-1 and one after a 41-17 beatdown at the hands of the Michigan Wolverines. Fall from number 10 to 16 in the poll, and man, is Penn State Twitter divided. Uh, some folks say... Pack it up. We got blown out. Others say the season's still ahead of us. We have all these goals. There's a lot to talk about. My name is Chris Hankin, joined as always by my co-host, Pat Colicchio. We got a lot to break down for you this week. We are doing a double episode, so you're going to get a little Michigan recap. We won't go through the game in excruciating detail. We've all had enough of it by now, uh, but we will cover some things. We'll give out some awards, and I'm going to jump into a Minnesota preview. Obviously, that's coming up in a couple of days here. Pat, it is Wednesday. We've had some time to reflect. How is your overall sentiment? at this point in time? Um, I mean, it's a tough one to get over. I, you know, I'm, I'm over the, uh, I'm over the worst, but I mean, it's Saturday was literally so bad. I actually, I actually got sick. Saturday was so bad. I got diarrhea and vomited. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean to laugh at your expense, but man, what a fan, what a fan you are. The yeah. team takes a physical <laughs> toll on your body. It does. It was it was rough for old Pat. <laughs> yeah, man. And I, and I didn't even drink that day. So yeah, unrelated. Yeah, it was it was a brutal one. You know, it, it's one of those games where we're just getting absolutely dominated, and then somehow we find ourselves up 14-13, only going down two going into the half. We're like, hey, we can do this. We can do this. And then the second half is just a shit show. So, like I said, we're not going to beat the horse to death here uh, on on the game itself. We will give out some awards, talk about some of the key key components of the game, what went wrong, and then we'll get into the conversation everyone loves talking about on Twitter right now, which is Sean Clifford versus Drew Aller, uh, Pat versus Chris. We lean on different sides of this most of the time. We'll see how it goes today. But let's jump right into it. We always start with our Lion, the MVP award of the game. This one is a uh, slim pickings, but Pat, who is your lion for this week? There's no lion. No, literally no one deserves it. There's no- <laughs> I, I almost Honestly, did. The, I, I almost did the so same thing. Bad, I forgot to even prepare one. And then you asked me and I went, no, I'm not. I'm not even playing along. Nobody gets it. Yeah, fair enough. I almost did the exact same thing. I'm going to give one out just for fun. My line is PJ Mustafer's helmet. Uh, because that is the reason that we had a second touchdown. Uh, the ball was deflected, I believe, off Chop Robinson. It might have even hit his helmet. I don't know if he. You know what? Actually, I'll give it to Jake Pinniger. He he made all right two extra points and a field goal. There you go, Jake. Good good outing. No misses. Um, but yeah, that one interception. Uh, I thought it hit the ground uh, first. I was like, why are we running yeah. this back? Turns out it bumped off of PJ Mustafer's helmet. Curtis Jacobs is able to return it to the house. Uh, gave us the lead 14, 13 at the time. So PJ Mustafer's helmet, you are my lion this week. But I agree. There's no single performance that you can be like, yeah, everything went wrong, but that guy had a really good game, uh, which is hard to say because most of the time, even in a loss, you can find one or two guys who are like, you know what? Things didn't go our way, but they made a difference. And it was hard to find this week. It really was. Um, so let's jump into awards then. I told you this was going to be a quick moving episode. Um I have two awards. They're kind of anti-awards, to be very honest. But, uh, Pat, do you have any awards for us? Toby Flanderson Award. Toby Flanderson Award. I've given this one out before. Okay. Uh, (laughs) What context is it in this week? This is the uh, I hate so many things about the way you are, (laughs) the way you choose to be. Yes. And who does it go to? Mike Yersich. Yeah. Yeah, we knew Um, it was coming. We knew it was coming. Listen, I am, I am not one, and I guess we can get this whole discussion out of the way with this award. Yeah. I'm not one who's usually going to criticize play calls that heavily because these guys know more than me. They know more about football than me. They know more about the state of the team than me. They know more about, about the defensive formation that Michigan is running than me. But, man, was this bad. Yeah. I mean – at first, it started off with it was clearly just too focused on trying to establish the run. Right. We went, what, like a one yard run. They completed a pass for almost a first down and then just tried to run. I don't know if it, it tried running into the teeth and Singleton bounced it outside. But honestly, it looked like we could have QB snuck that for a first down. We should have QB snuck that for yeah. a first down. There was nobody lined up over the guard. And then just a, a, a slew of low percentage plays. End zone fades, which are is it's the worst play in football. It is the worst play in football. I hate it. It's so bad. 
especially when we don't have like a six, six receiver that you could yes. just throw a jump ball to. Yes, exactly. Um, and then the, uh, the fourth and six call, I, I just, it, you know, maybe there's more on the screen that I'm not seeing, but honestly, like that was just a low percentage play. Yeah. You know, if you ran that on fourth and 16, okay. I get that. But fourth and six, you, you can run a lot of routes that just find a hole in the zone that, that get to the line to make a first down. You don't have to run a corner route to the sideline. I mean, yeah. honestly, Clifford threw a good pass. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, they ran it at Michigan's best cornerback. Right. So the guy was in great position. And so Sean puts the ball where literally only Parker Washington can get it. And Parker gives it a, a good effort. Maybe he could have caught it, but it would have been a very difficult catch. It was a I bad agree. play call. Yes, I completely agree. I think so many people are like, oh, it hit Parker's hand. That was a dime by Clifford. Listen, it was a pretty good throw by Clifford. Parker was laying out. That's why it hit his hands. And yeah, he yeah. Sh- should he have brought it in? Maybe, but it would it have been a, a It was great a very catch. good throw. I mean, yeah. I, the only reason I wouldn't call it like, there was like a, a 1% better, cha- better throw he could have made where Parker sure. Washington doesn't have to dive. And like, that's a dive. Okay, like right. that's a that's a perfect throw, but like, right. I there's just I don't know. There's nothing about the offense that was set up for success in that game. Like Pat Mahomes could have been our quarterback, we would have lost that game. Agreed, agreed. I think you talked about the third and one, giving it to Singleton there. Like one, uh, it should have been audible to a QB sneak. There was nobody over the right guard. Cliff could have just hiked the ball and dove. Uh, they asked Franklin about that in his press conference. I'd like, does, does Sean have the ability to call that? And he kind of like didn't give a full answer, which is a theme of his press conference I'll get to later. Um, but he said, he's like, yeah, we have systems where, you know, he can call it or he can look to the sideline. And that's just not what we were trying to do. You know, we got beat. One of our linemen got beat and that was the problem. It's like, well, if you have an opportunity to convert on that play, you call the audible. Number two, if you are going to just try to pound the rock up the middle, why isn't it Katron? Why isn't it Kivon? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying you should have a running back for every specific scenario, but like in that scenario where like, you're just trying to set the tone, put your bowling ball in there. Yeah. That one's pretty um, specifically not Nick Singleton. Yes, exactly. And I think Nick will, uh, Nick will be that guy. And I, I'm not knocking Nick Singleton, but I think like, this is going to be a tough game. We know it's going to be a grind about game. You're on the road, put your guy in there that can barrel through for a yard. Um, the fourth down call, I agree. There's so many other things we could have called. It, it looked like the guy in the flat, I don't know who it was, looked like he was open right at the line. Um, I, I don't know if that was the designed play, but there's a lot of other things that could have could have happened on that play that, that would have given us higher percentage chances. Um, and in general, it just didn't look like we have an identity. Someone asked in his press conference about like, what is our identity and have you tried to establish it? His answer was like, yeah, you know, things things go well when we're able to run and play action pass and pass like, you know, th- those things are, are able to go well, James, that's the whole offense, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Running play action, passing and passing. That is what an offense does. Those so he, didn't answer, he didn't answer the question about an identity. Um, and I think the question is like, all right, we're coming into, you know, we're coming into enough games with Mike Yersich that we should know what his identity is. He should elevate the players on the field. He should use the talent that he has to make, his offense better. And we just haven't seen that yet. Uh, so we do have a Twitter question uh, in the DMS from Joe F shout out. Joe F said, how does Penn state proceed if they feel like Mike Yersich isn't producing and how many OCs can Franklin go through before it falls on him? Now, I don't think we're at the point where we're going to make a change or anything like that. I don't think that's justified at this point, but what do you see from Mike Yersich at this point? Do you think, do you think he can be the guy going forward? Or do you think this is going to be a conversation at the end of the season that, that needs to happen? Um, I mean, we'll see. Um, honestly, it's, you know, it's, it started off well, but it's now been three straight games of pretty bad offensive football. Yeah. Um, now, I don't think all of that lands on your stitch. I, you know, you can kind of wash the Northwestern game out. Okay, that's fine. Um, the Central Michigan game, I'm trying to think. I don't know how much of that I really blame on him. Is I'm like, Sean didn't have a great game. There were some bad drops. I'm, I'm not going to say that like, that was really the play calling in that game. I um, think my, my, this is the only game I've, I've really this year that I've been like horrible job. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I, I think this is his worst performance to date for sure. Um, but I think, I think one thing is like, we don't have 
any real explosivity in the past game whatsoever. Like there was the, the one deep ball to, to Trey Wallace in this game was great. That was a dime for Clifford. Very nice. Yeah. But like, we just, we don't take those shots enough more often than not. We're seeing like Mitchell Tinsley make a really nice grab over the middle, like, and kind of bail Clifford out at sometimes. We're not seeing Parker deep. We're not seeing these crossing routes, getting guys open across the end of the field. Like it's just not happening. Uh, and they asked him about that too. They said, is Cliff just not hitting his receivers or is Mike Yersich not calling enough? And Franklin just completely waffled on the question. He said, it's both. You know, we want to find balance. We can't always take shots on first down, but we can't always take them on second and one because everyone knows it's going to be, you know, we don't want to find ourselves in third and long. We don't want to do this. We got to be better. And like, he just didn't answer the question. Like I would just love to see him be like, yeah, we haven't been explosive at all this year in the past game. That needs to change. I'm working with Mike on it. We're going to find ways to get the ball in our playmakers hands down the field. And like, I know that's not his style, but this is what people are getting frustrated with. It's like, we're hearing the same thing year over year, week over week. And like, when you have a couple stinkers in a row from an offensive play calling standpoint, those questions should be answered with a little bit more gusto. So uh, Mike Yersich, you have the Toby Flanderson award. That is a long, a long way of saying that. Um, all right. My first award is the chiropractor award. You are on mute, I believe. I can't hear you. And he's back. He's back. Chiropractor. Um, chiropractor one. I, I'm guessing maybe Joey Porter Jr. after that. <laughs> that <laughs> I, honestly, prank, he not came that, on the first. Not play. bad, actually. That that. You know what? Let's give a positive spin. Joey Porter Jr. readjusting that dude's back. Uh, but this goes to our other coordinator. This goes to Manny Diaz because you know what? Mm. Chiropractors do really good. They adjust. And he needs to go to chiropractor school because this man does not know how to adjust, at least in this game. Um, we got absolutely gashed for 170 yards in the first half, and we weren't able to make a single adjustment in the second half to stop the run. No, it got um, worse, actually. It got worse. Yes, it got. they, they ran for more in the second half. Uh, so like you said, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on the X's nose and defensive fronts. Uh, our friends over at For the Bloggy and Coach Caduti in particular is an expert. So I would highly recommend everyone go watch his YouTube video on the For the Bloggy channel where he breaks down what went wrong in the run game. Uh, but the summary of it is basically Michigan simply outnumbered us every time. They had heavy fronts. They had more guys on the line than we were filling. And we just didn't fill the extra gaps ever. Uh, yes, they blocked exceptionally. They, they played really well. Our guys couldn't get off blocks. Get that. Um, but there were times in the second half where Manny Diaz is running too high safety and deep. Like the safeties are very deep when they're just running all over us. It made no fucking sense. Um, we can, we can get into this one a little bit here too, since, since that's kind of what we're doing here. Um, yeah, it was a mess. What, what did you, what did you think of it? Um, yeah, again, you know, it, especially with defense, it's tough to see unless you have game film where you can watch the whole field. Uh, but and there, there was definitely some issues with gap integrity. So, you know, it, it was player error. But I mean, yeah, they, they, they were playing heavy fronts and we we're somehow not adjusting to that. Like you said, you, I forget which 60 yard touchdown run it was. If it was Edwards <laughs> or Corum's. Um, but the safety comes. I think it was the safety comes down and like fills in on the edge like he's rushing like he's blitzing yeah why yeah i mean why I mean, there, yeah there were plenty of times where we just we didn't make any changes and they just kept running the same place over and over again uh a twitter question from matt chu pichu i think it's matt matt chu pichu nice like I uh, said, why did we not load the box and force Michigan to win by airmail? And you need to keep Carter and Jacobs on at the same time. Um, we never loaded the box. We, we kept our same four-man front, five-man front at times, six in the box, seven in the box, tops. Um, J.J. McCarthy had an efficient game in the passing game. It was like 17 for 24, but he didn't throw for a whole lot of yards. He had like one or two nice, nice, deep completions, but they just ran over and over and over again. Yeah. Why not stack the box? Why not put more people in those gaps? Like this is simple to us, to us Cretans who don't know the X's and O's. This is simple math. They got seven guys. You've got five. They're going to win every time. It, it's yeah. dumb. Especially because their seven guys are good at what they're doing. 
Yeah. Like, there's not seven bums in there. Right. And, uh, you know, I, JJ McCarthy was actually, he was a little bit better than I expected. He made, he made a couple throws I was impressed with, but especially after that first half, you have to just go, Hey, we're putting eight guys in the box every play. And if JJ McCarthy beats us with his arm, well, then they're a better team than us. Yes. Yes. And my, my bigger problem with that too, is like a lot of the passes he made in uh, the one where he was rolling out to the right and hit the guy deep on the right sideline. That was really, really nice. Everything else was like mid-level, like yeah. just un- underneath our coverage. If you're not going to stack the box, what does the coverage do? Like it, you got to have one or the other, either stack the box and trust your secondary to, to stop them or play that wide zone, whatever you want to call it. And, Take that away. Like we just we didn't execute anywhere, so that was frustrating. And to Matt's question here, uh, this is a, a common topic on Twitter. Why are Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter subbing each other out? One of them should be moved in positions. They the two of them should be on the field every single play together. Right now, our linebacking core is typically uh, Curtis Jacobs, Tyler Eldson, or Kobe King in the middle, and then Jonathan Sutherland. I'm sure they're very nice guys. Tyler Elson's not playing right well right now. He, he should not be our starting middle linebacker. Kobe King, I, I think, shows flashes. He had some really rough ones in this game, too. Jacobs should move to Mike. Carter should play. No, uh, Curtis Jacobs should move to Mike. Yeah, Abdul Carter should play Sam. And Sutherland can stay at will. Or any but combination that you want. Sutherland's at Sam. I flipped it. I flipped will, it. I think, I'm, I'm worked up right now. My point being... Okay. Why are the two of them not on the field at the same time? They're your two best linebackers by far. Abdul Carter is one of the only reasons we, we held them to a field goal, that second possession. He made a sick play to, to stop the guy in the backfield. Having them sub in and out for each other is just dumb. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's uh, – because I don't think Curtis Jacobs has ever played Mike. Uh, I don't believe Abdul Carter has either at, at the college level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think the Sam stays on the field on third down usually. Uh, so I, I think that's the reason they're subbing each other out is that I, I think moving you'd, you'd most likely be moving Abdul Carter to Mike. And, and, and I understand this. And is I, just, I don't know about his ability to do that as a freshman mid season to learn a new position. I don't yeah, know if that's I, a satisfactory answer for everybody. But sure. No, no, it's, the, it's one the coaching staff is going with. And that's a fair answer. I understand it's not, not as easy to do as it is for us just to say, Hey, move them positions. I know they have to learn a playbook, all of that. But this goes back to the preparation stuff. Like you had all summer, you had all spring, like you knew this guy was more talented. Why not prepare for that and, and anticipate what was going to happen? Like you should have seen pretty early on, like this kid is a freak and we need to keep him on the field as much as possible. Let's move some things around so that we have some versatility. Um, that just really frustrated me. Yeah. I mean, it was, it wasn't something I, I got super worked up about just, you know, because of, again, like that's one I can at least accept that I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's, let's not so like the, the death. play calling. I found more infuriating than like the scheming and play calling. I found more infuriating, but. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, what's your next award? Uh, my next award is going to be, I'm trying to think of a good way to word this. Dad, I think I lost you, buddy. I got gotcha. you. Hey, there you are. I'm, I'm going with the Paul Walker Award. Paul Walker, Jesus. Paul Walker, baby. Is this like a varsity blues reference or is this about to get dark? I mean, not not too dark. Okay, <laughs> not as dark, go ahead. Not as dark as Paul Walker got. Yeah, go oh. ahead. Go um, ahead. It's, uh, it's, it's been a long day without you, my friend. Jahan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. It's the Paul Walker Award. Long day without you, my friend. Jahan Dotson. Here's the thing. It, it, actually, it, it, it hasn't been a long day because we haven't gone long once all, all season. Yeah. If we thought our ability to stretch the field was not great last year, it is even worse this year. I mean, because at least Jahan was, not that he is such a burner, 
but at least he was a guy where you just put it anywhere in the vicinity and he's probably going to come up with a catch. Now, we just don't, we don't have a game-breaking wide receiver right now, and it is really hurting us. And it shows. It, it shows, and defenses know that. That's what I was saying earlier. Like, most of our big plays are like Mitchell Tinsley over the middle. Yeah. Um, and he's been, he's been our, good. Our chunk plays are 12 to 20 yard throws with yak. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna expand on that one. I think it's pretty, pretty self-explanatory. Jahan, we miss you. Uh, my Again. second award, my, my second award is the Nick Cannon award. Nick Cannon. Hmm. I'll and give you some many kids. Yep. This could also be the Antonio Cromartie award, the Philip rivers award. You're on the right track. They got too many kids. Hmm. You know what, you know hmm. why? Because they don't use protection. Because they don't wrap up. Ah. And this, go- this goes to our defense because, damn it, we did not wrap up. Outside of that first Joey Porter Jr. body slam. Uh, this infuriated me, man. When Blake Corm is having the day that he's having, when Donovan Edwards is having the day that he's having, there were so many times where we had them at the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage, or for like a two yard gain, which in a day like Saturday, you'll take a two yard gain every single time. And right. you think you have them don't wrap up. Boom. God. Um, it just pissed me off so much. I, 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 it was so hard to watch. And like, I know our defense is tired. They're out there for most of the game. I know that we're overmatched. They're, they're outnumbering us. I know they're blocking better, but those opportunities where we do have them, we got to get them down. Got to wrap it up. Yeah. I, I mean, it, such a the most frustrating example of, of it to me was Tyler Elliston. Yeah, it was like it was a play near. It was in the red zone, I think, and he's got Blake Corum dead in his sights, and he just comes at him with two forearms. This, yeah, it, it's it's not it's not even a tired thing because he didn't try to wrap him up. He yep. tried to hit stick him, and Blake Corum bounces off him, and I th- I think scored a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, it was either a touchdown or he got down to like the three yard line. I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah, not great. So those are the awards or the anti-awards, if you will, uh, for this week. Um, like I said, we're not going to completely, uh, completely beat this game to death. But um, a couple of things that we talked about already, you know, defense was great that we held them to field goals the first couple of drives. But, you know, clearly not enough. Um, yeah, you had you to actually they didn't force a single punt all day. Yeah. Insane. Um, hold, insane. Holding the field goals isn't good enough when you're not actually making the team give us the ball back. Right. Uh, Cliff's big run, great fake, fooled everyone. Cheers. That's awesome. Uh, but thank God Katron Allen was able to finish that off because that reminded me of the goddamn Illinois game from last year where we're doing these million overtimes from the four-yard line or whatever it is, and we just can't get in. I'm like, Cliff just ran 60-something yards, and we're on fourth and goal. We can't just punch yeah. it in. I was so scared we were not going to get in there. Allen is, is our short, short, short yardage back. Yeah, I was so thankful for him that he got in there and gave us some hope. So shout out him. Uh, goal line fades never again. We talked about never. that. And, and honestly, like Cliff didn't Cliff doesn't throw that ball though. Like the first one was like way over the receiver's head. He never had a chance. Um, never again. Um, fourth and six. We talked about it already. Is what it is. Uh, so I think the only other thing, you know what? Let's get to let's get to a couple of Twitter questions and then we'll talk about the QB controversy because that'll take us into next week. Um, get to it. Uh, Mark Brower says, "How do I emotionally recover from all these years of trauma?" <sighs> alcohol maybe yeah that, that was my answer too mark drink up buddy uh if you're at the game next week i'll be there let's have a beer um cfb times says where do we go from here genuine question the goals are still reachable uh but changes need to be made really quick let's save that one uh because i think uh that'll that'll go into the conversation of the quarterback change uh, and then one more from joe f said who is most culpable for this loss or who is most who is most accountable um and that was a hot topic too of like all right whose fault was this was it coaching was it execution did we just get outplayed where do you put like the majority of the blame on this it's hard to because there was like it was all so bad yeah like there there's not a single person other than barney moore and jake pinnaker there's not a single person on the in the who resides who steps foot in the lash building that should come out of Saturday with their head held high. Right. Failure on all fronts. Just yeah. no positive things to take out of that. The kickoff game was terrible. The defensive scheming was terrible. The, the gap integrity by the players was terrible. The play calling was bad. 
the blocking was bad. The running was bad. Like yeah. nothing was good. There yeah, were a couple I, flashes of good things that happened, but nothing sustained. Right. Right. I think if I have to pick, put it on someone and then there was a lot of, lot of Twitter back and forth in this for me, it is the coaching staff. This is a bye week You have two weeks to prepare for this. You know how Michigan has played you in the past. You know their strengths. You have time to get your team ready. And that was my biggest thing. We just didn't look ready. Like, yes, we didn't execute, but we didn't have a plan that we didn't execute on. We just were lost. So for me, it's coaching staff. Um, let's move on because uh, we want to get into Minnesota here in a bit too. Um, the biggest, oh, excuse me, the biggest conversation on Twitter right now is is it time to make the move from Sean Clifford to Drew Aller? Historically, on this podcast, I, Chris, have been very pro-Drew Aller. I said start him after the Purdue game, which maybe is a little, little premature, but obviously I've been on his side. Pat, uh, for the most part, has been on Clifford's side, although recently has said that you know he needs, he needs the fire lit under him a little bit and needs to perform better as well. So, Pat, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts after this game because, and I'll get into this in my rationale, Cliff didn't lose us this game. This is no. this conversation. This conversation is not happening because Clifford went out and threw three picks and, and didn't execute. He had a bad game, but so did everyone else. I am not saying we should make the change because of this game's performance. Mine is much more high level and where we are at the state of the program. Where do you stand after this game? Penn State's five and one. As uh, the question from CFB Times said, you know, the goals are still reachable. Uh, a lot of people are saying we still can go 10 and two if we just lose to Ohio State. Uh, where do you stand? Yeah, so my, my, my thinking is also the more high level. It's not about this game because, I mean, Drew came in this game and honestly looked roughly the same as Sean. Yep. And that, that's not a knock on him. This was a, not a good time to come in. <laughs> so it's not an optimal time to just kind of throw him out there. Um, and I will say I'm not even – I'm not even, like, inherently against the idea of starting Drew out. I am I'm a, against the idea that we now have to focus on the future of the program because we got blown out in this game. I think that's wrong. We can go 10 and 2. Hell, we can go 11 and 1. Do I think we're going to? No. But did I think we were going to beat Ohio State in 2016? Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. And I told people that to their faces that year. Now, again, I don't think this team is the same as that team, but the game hasn't been played. And, but, and the other thing is, as much as I don't think we're going to beat Ohio State, and as much as our fan base doesn't think we're going to beat Ohio State, the guys in the locker room do. The coaching staff does. So James Franklin can't just saunter into the, the building after our first loss in the season and go, well, guys, we're obviously not going to beat Ohio State. We should probably just start planning for the future. Because all that's going to do is lose the future because he's going to lose the whole locker room. If you walk in there after one loss and go, well, let's just pack it up for this season, boys. Obviously, we're going nowhere. And that, that's what we as fans lose sight of so often. Is that it, it, it's, it's not about us as much as we love this team and as much as the, the, the team loves the fans. It's about the guys in, in the locker room, in that building, like actually putting on the line every Saturday. And they're not going to be happy if the coach starts planning for the future because of one loss. Man, they still, they still have this season ahead of them. Every single guy in that room believes that they can beat Ohio State, go 11-1, and one, and go to the college football playoffs. And that's all that matters. And Franklin has to coach that way. Now, if, if we were, you know, 3-3, three and three, okay. Then, then, then probably most of those guys realize that, you know, there is no college football playoff on the line. And maybe it is time to start planning for the future. But they're five and one. Every guy in there is saying, we're still in this. Yeah, I, uh, I don't disagree with a lot of that. I, I, I understand those concerns. I hear, the, I hear what you're saying. I, I get that. I think for me, the hardest part has been like, I don't, I, it's hard to articulate this on Twitter. And I don't think everyone understands what I'm saying, what a lot of people are saying. Um, so I'm going to try to put this as like succinctly as I can and, and, and try to keep it clear without getting too emotional because I use a lot of all caps on Twitter. I get emotional. Um, starting Drew for me, we, we already said it. It's not saying that QB is our problem. We have lots of problems. It's about doing what's best for the program 
going forward, but not giving up. Like, I don't see this change as saying we are giving up because I believe their floors, Sean and Drew, are very similar. I think Drew can give us exactly what Sean is giving us right now. And I know I'm not in practice. I don't see it. Maybe they see a lot more than I do. But from what we've seen so far, I don't think there will be a big drop off if you make this change. I think if Drew started this entire season, our records are probably very similar. Sure, he's a freshman. Maybe things go wrong early on. Whatever. I think from here on out, I think he can give us exactly what Sean is giving us, but with a much higher of a ceiling. This is the time for me where you make that switch to signal to your team that you are willing to make the tough emotional choices that are best for the team going forward. Uh, James Franklin said in his press conference when asked about this, he said, that's the wrong message. It's the wrong signal. Sean has earned the right to be on the field. How, man? Like he hasn't played exceptionally well. What message are you sending by keeping him in, especially if he's hurt? That's a different conversation. I think we all agree. If he's not 100%, you move on. But like, what message are you sending to keep him in when like, again, this is not a knock on Sean. He's not going to the NFL. If he was good enough, he'd be gone by now. This is his last year of football. He's already started his business, the NIL business. I'm very happy for him. I'm not saying that should discount him and he shouldn't be able to play. But like, he, he is holding on to the last bit of football he has. And as a loyal guy, Franklin, I think, wants to give him wants to give him his last whiteout, wants to give him his last Ohio State game. People people are saying that on Twitter, like, oh, you got to let Sean finish this out. No, you don't. Like, you're not stuck to these loyalties if it's the best decision of the program. And people say, wait until Sean gets a second loss, then you move. Everyone's saying that. Oh, just wait until a second loss, then you move. Why? Do you know how valuable a full start under the lights at home for a whiteout for Drew Aller would be? Do you know how valuable a start against Ohio state for drew Aller would be so that when he does this next year, he's ready. He knows what these experiences are like. He's done it before. Somebody in my, in my mentions yesterday said, Oh, you could be setting him up for injury or failure brother. If that's your mentality, just give up. Like what, what signal does that send? for me? You have a five-star quarterback who has showed us that he is ready to play. If you're not willing to make that switch to me, that sends the wrong message of, even if you are talented, even if you are more talented, even if you are five stars ready to play as a freshman, I'm going to hang on to my sixth year senior that I love because I have a bond with him. That's my problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm actually, if, if, here's the thing. If Drew gets the start because of your rationale, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. My, my problem is the people who are saying, and when you originally tweeted this, 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 this is kind of what you said was it, it's time to look at the future. And yeah. That, and maybe, and that's, that, maybe that's that a bad can't word. can't be why you started. It can't be because of the future. And you, you're right. Everything and that's, you do has to be for the season. Sure. And that's, that's the hard, that's, that's what I mean when like, I can't articulate it properly on yes. Twitter. I'm not saying give up on this year and look to the future. I'm saying, I don't think there's going to be a big difference if you make the change. So why not invest in the future? Franklin said that in his press conference. We have so much invested, our team, our coaches, our staff. Yeah, I get it. We're, we're invested. We want to see us win as much as we can for as long as we can. And I think make, I think like I'm saying do this now because this gave you, this gave you a reason to make the change. Hey, we just got the doors blown off. We're going into two tough games. Sure. But we we've seen Sean for six games right now and he hasn't elevated the offense. He hasn't brought us to new heights. We struggled against Central Michigan. We struggled with Northwestern. Granted, it was raining. Mike Yurcich is not calling the best football of his life. If these things aren't going to bring us to elite, to bring us to a college football playoff, I'm not saying give up. I'm saying make the change so that you can get better while you fix these things. So many people, the other thing, so many people tweet, oh, we knew this was going to be a rebuilding year. If I told you we were 10 and 2, you'd be ecstatic. Brother, if it's a rebuilding year, then fucking rebuild. Like, get your quarterback the experience you need to play going forward. You're playing Nick Singleton and Katron Allen because they are the best running backs. You're playing Abdul Carter because he is the best linebacker. You're playing Deny Dennis Sutton because he gives you opportunity off the edge. I understand we're getting Drew snaps in games, but, like, you have to be willing to make the tough choice, and I think now is the time to do it. People are saying, too, like, all right, if we lose to Ohio State, he still gets five games to start. Sure. 
I just think you have two huge games coming up that could be so, so valuable for his development that he comes in there next year and says, yeah, I've, I've played under the lights in the whiteout. Yeah, I've played against Ohio State and I held my own. I, I think that could be so much more valuable than having him shell-shocked next year. Yeah, like I said, I, I'm, I am not – I've reached a point where I'm not against Drew Aller starting. It just yeah. it has to be for the right reason. Yeah, so – um, let's, let's end it there. I won't, I won't kill this point either. Um, yeah, the, the whole thing with 2016 pisses me off too. Cause Franklin said like Franklin got asked this question. So it's the wrong message. It's the wrong signal. Sean has earned the right to be on the field and then instantly pivots to, well, Mike Gesicki texted me about 2016 and reminded me that we lost to Michigan and then we beat Minnesota and Ohio state. Things went pretty good for us. It's not 2016, man. Like things are completely different. That to me is like a cop out of the question. I, I just, I want to see Franklin take control of this program, man. I want to see him make those hard decisions, get us prepared, get us ready, get us to places where we are able to compete. And it's just like this game. And I, I tweeted like, this has been the most frustrated I've been with Franklin. You and I both have been stout Franklin supporters, like big time. I'm not against him at all. This is just a frustrating sequence yeah. of events for me. It's just when, when, you know, when the people I don't agree with, come out and say that he needs to be fired. I don't have a lot to say right now. Yeah, I don't agree. I don't agree with that. Either. I don't agree I'm with fine. them, but I don't have a lot to say to be like, well, you're so wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got. I, I misunderstood. I get it now. Um, yeah, man, it's tough. So uh, they tweeted out pictures from practice today. Sean was playing number one QB. Looks like he has the knee brace on, but he always has the brace on. Um, I, I don't know what the injury was. And Franklin did say that's why Aller came in in the Michigan game because Sean was banged up. So it wasn't a, we're down 17. I'm going to get Drew some reps. He was he was hurt, and now that's why the change was made. So I don't expect to change. I, I will be, like I said, I will be at the whiteout this weekend. I fully expect to see number 14 under center or in shotgun on the first snap of the game. I is what it is, but I wanted to make sure we kind of got to talk about why I think we should make that move. So. Yeah. That being said, let's move on to Minnesota. Um, alrighty. New episode? Nope. Double episode. Minnesota preview. Welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. <laughs> so we have Minnesota at home. It's the whiteout. It's the generation of greatness uniforms. It's the diamond end zone. It's millions of recruits on the sideline, and it is a chance to right the ship from what happened last week. Minnesota started 4-0 not really playing anyone. They had three really soft non-conference games. They did do a number on Michigan State, which we've seen hasn't been very good. Uh, but now they have two losses in a row to Purdue and Illinois, bringing them to four and two. Uh, this game opened up with Penn State minus five, which honestly should tell you something from what Vegas says, because normally a home field advantage gives you about three points as is. Mm -hmm. The whiteout probably gives you another point or two. Uh, they're telling you on a neutral field, they think this game is very, very close. Uh, it is actually now PSU minus four, which means the public is betting on Minnesota. The public is against us. Vegas is against us. We all we got, we all we need. Let's go. Uh, the over-under is 44 and a half. Pat, what are you looking for in this game? I mean, we've, this is everything we've talked about with the issues with James Franklin before. We, we talked about the bye week already. We can't win out of the bye week. Well, the other thing we can't do under James Franklin is win after after a loss. We've got to do that this year. Yep. This this yep. cannot be more of the same thing. You know it. Yeah. I mean, if we lose two in a row, I have no reason to believe that we won't lose three in a row. Right. Right. I mean, you have a and and like we talked about before, I'm not giving up on Ohio State. I'm not saying we have no chance. Well, actually, I did tweet we have no chance. Maybe I am saying that. <laughs> but. Uh, this is the game that you need to come. So let, let's let's just jump right into our topics because I don't think we need to like go through stats or anything like that. But like the what to watch for. Is that your what to watch for? Or do you have something else? Um, I'm gonna say my what to watch for is how many points can Penn State put up on the board? I think the week after a loss under James Franklin, Penn State's averaging something like 17 points a game. It's really bad. And they've lost a lot of those games. So they, they, you know what to watch for? Can Penn State put points up on the board? Because we're, we're not going to win. We're not, I, I don't see this as a grind out 17 to 14 win. Right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and if you look at Minnesota, uh, they held their first four opponents to, to almost nothing. 
uh, New Mexico State, zero, Western Illinois, 10, Colorado, seven, Michigan State, seven. Uh, but then they let up 20 to Purdue and 26 to Illinois. Illinois is better than people give them credit for. They are ranked, sure. Uh, Purdue, whatever. Sneaky good this year, man. That's what I'm saying. If they can put up 26, we have much more talent. We should be able to put up more than that. Uh, my what to watch for is very, very similar. It's Kirk Sharaka versus Mike Yurkovich. So if you remember, uh, James Franklin hired Kirk Sharaka from Minnesota, promptly fired him after one year for Mike Yurkovich because Mike became available. Kirk Sharaka is now back with Minnesota. Uh, he said there's no bad blood. You know, he still has, you know, fond feelings for James Franklin, just didn't work out the way he wanted to. This is a revenge game, baby. This is, this is Kirk Sharaka versus Mike Yersich. Uh, so I'm aligned with you. Which offense Which offense is going to be able to execute better? And can Mike Yersich show us that he can get a little creative? He can, he can get his playmakers the ball. He can get them in space, and he can move the damn chains. Uh, so I'm with you on that. Uh, don't be surprised if, once you're don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if Minnesota's game plan is exactly the same as Michigan's. Uh, they're a run-heavy team. I think they have more run yards per game than pass yards. Uh, Mo Ibrahim might be better than Blake Corum. I don't know. That might be crazy to say. It might not be. Uh, by the way, not that he isn't great, but Blake and great do not rhyme. <laughs> we have to stop calling him Blake the Great. Gus Johnson, Blake the Great. He is great. Don't get me wrong, but they don't rhyme. <laughs> Very fair. Off top. But yep. Mo, Mo Ibrahim's a stud, and they've seen that this game plan obviously works against Penn State. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they'll be able to do it as effectively as Michigan because I don't think they have the tools in the trenches that Michigan does. Um, but I think they're going to try something very similar. Keep the ball, r- run down Penn State's defense, make them tired, take advantage in the second half. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a copycat league. You know, the – the blueprint is on tape. You know how to beat them, and they're a team that, that executes similarly. So, agreed. Uh, my don't be surprised if, it's just don't be surprised. Literally anything is possible. Just don't be surprised. Uh, you mentioned it earlier. Franklin is three and five coming off his first loss in a season in his PSU tenure. That is not good. We need this to be a dominant win. I know they say they don't pay attention to these things. But you being a four-point home favorite with a house full of recruits in front of 107,000 whiteout fans, that should anger you. That should anger you. This should be a goddamn blowout. So don't be surprised if anything happens because I don't know what to happen. But I, uh, on the other flip side of that, don't be surprised if this is a goddamn blowout. We rebound really, really well because we need to. This is back against the wall kind of territory. We need to dominate this game. Uh, key to victory. What is your key to victory? Key to victory is make Tanner Morgan beat you. You know, yep. it's, it's the same thing we said we had, we should have done the Michigan. If, if, if Tanner Morgan is okay, he's not as good as the quarterback who beat us a couple of years ago, in my opinion. Agreed. Um, I, I think that's probably because he doesn't have the same amount of weapons to be thrown to. But I, you know, I think if, if you put the game in his hands, I think you win. I'm with you. Mine, mine is the exact uh, flip of that same coin. It's uh, shut down Mo Ibrahim. You just talked about it. Don't let a repeat of last week happen. On the season, Mo Ibrahim has 694 rushing yards. He is averaging 6.7 yards per carry, and he has nine touchdowns. Uh, you mentioned earlier, they do rush more than they pass. They are averaging 227 rushing yards per game versus 214 passing yards per game. So pretty much 50-50, but leaning on, on the rush. Um, and Tanner Morgan, that's if he plays. He got hurt last week. They said, uh, um, PJ Flex said he's doing well. Uh, you know, didn't really allude to anything if he will or won't start. Um, but if he does play, he's got seven touchdowns to five interceptions this year averaging 228 yards a game in the full games that he's played. He's okay. You got to shut down the run and make the quarterback beat you. Um, I know it sounds like we're just repeating the same things, but guys, this is simple. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to break down rocket science here when the game plan is simple. We are a superior team. 
against a team that that started a little hot, but now it's four and two with two not so great losses. This is a very beatable team that we should beat by a lot. If we execute the way we should, I think we win handily. So let's get to those predictions. Like I said, Penn State is minus four right now, and the over-under is 44 and a half, which is, which is low. Pat, yeah. what is your yeah, prediction? I mean, it, it's scary because of that stat I mentioned where the, the, the amount of points averaging after James Franklin loss. However, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. I, I don't think after a loss we've ever had uh, a whiteout against a team that we are better than. Yeah, normally it's like the big, it's the Michigan or Ohio State, like save the whiteout for the big game. Yes. And so I'm going to, I'm going to say Penn State. I'm, I, I'm, I'm definitely taking the over in this one. Agreed. I think, I think we're going more than 22 points a team. Um, I don't think Penn State covers though. I think they. You don't I think, think we, we cover four points? I think we grind this out and I think we win it 30 to 27. Oh my God. I hate that. If it's 30 to 27, I'm going to throw up in the stands. <laughs> I'm going to throw up in this. I may run down to the field so I can throw up on the field. Just, you know, don't, don't be surprised if it's 30 to 27. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, man. Uh, I hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong. I, I'm glad that you have us winning, but I hope you're wrong. Uh, my prediction. Everyone thinks I'm giving up because I'm calling for Aller. Everyone thinks I'm looking to the future. I'm giving up on the season. Nah, I am all in on this team. I want to see us succeed as much as possible. And I want to see this be a blowout. And I think it can be. I think the players are really, really pissed. I know they're always pissed off after a loss. I know they take it personally, but I think this one got to them a little bit more. I think this one is, this one is sitting with them and they want to make a statement. I got Penn state 38, Minnesota 17. We are coming out, putting up points out the wazoo. There's at least one defensive touchdown. We shut down Mo Ibrahim. We keep them to 17 points. This is a big win under the lights, gets us ready for Ohio State. Put it in the books. I hope you're right, Christopher. I, I hope I, I'm right, too. I hope I'm so wrong. Well, I hope, yep. I'm, a, I hope I'm a little wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know, hey, I'll, I'll so wrong. Because so wrong would be bad. Yes, correct. Obviously, <laughs> a win is a win, and we'll take whatever. But, you know, we, we got to – I think we need to make a statement here. So that's my prediction. Um, I think we got to all of our Twitter questions. Shout out Sweens. He said, how do we stop Mo Ibrahim? We kind of talked about it already. Um, the question earlier, what do we do from here? The goals are still reachable, but changes need to be made quick. I think we kind of covered that. You know, it's, it's you know, you, you put your best foot forward and you try to win every single game. And that's a James Franklin answer if I've ever heard one. But in my opinion, you make the move. You let your young guys play where they need to. You let your offensive coordinator or you tell your offensive coordinator to open up a little bit, get a little bit creative, get the ball downfield. Uh, and you tell Manny Diaz to not let last week ever happen Stack again. The box. Yeah. So that is it. Uh, double episode for you guys. Thank you as always for tuning hold, in. Hold, hold on. Hold questions. on. Hold on. We've got, we've got Patty picks, baby. Oh, my bad. Patty parlay. Uh, I, I'm, Pat, you haven't been very good so far. You can't blame listen, me for forgetting. I'm almost back. All right. Okay. Okay. It, it, it was only my blind faith in my own team that held me back last week. I went two yeah, did for you go three. two for three. Damn. I did. Damn. And I, I, I like what I've got this week. I, I'm going with two under picks. Ooh. You know how I love an under. Okay. And I'm, I'm going with my favorite pick of all time. A first half under in an Iowa game. I'm <laughs> going that. under 27 points in Iowa, Ohio state. Okay. Honestly, the pick makes me a little nervous. Because there's a real possibility that Ohio State just scores 28 points by themselves in the first half. Yes, very it's true. not unrealistic. But I'm so confident that Iowa is going to contribute almost nothing to that total in the first Agreed. half. Agreed. And then I'm going with under 58 and a half in Duke Miami. Miami's offense has been really disappointing this year. Yeah, it's a lot of points. Um, I don't think they've scored more than 30 against an actual like. FBS team. Um, and Duke is not very good. They're okay. Yep. They're not terrible, but they're certainly not a powerhouse. And Miami's defense has been solid. So I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm saying neither team is scoring 30 points in that. Okay. I respect it. And then I'm, I'm moving over to the big 10 to take Maryland given 13 and a half to Northwestern. Northwestern 
stinks. <laughs> this is true. This is they true. are so bad. And Maryland's a dangerous team, man. And as far as I know, they're not going to have a torrential downpour to save themselves from a team actually passing the ball. Right. So, I, you know, Maryland beat Michigan State by 14. And Michigan State's not great, but they're better than Northwestern. I'm pretty confident in that. So, give me... Uh, I like it. Give me, give me Maryland to cover against Northwestern. Okay, so this is a three-pick patty parlay? That's right, baby. All right. If you guys, uh, if you guys like winning, maybe, maybe fade these picks. Uh, or if you believe in Pat, he's get back, on board, ride with you. Pat. Hey, he's, he's gotten better every week. He's gone, you know, he went 0 for 3, he went 1 for 3, he's 2 for 3. The wins are coming. We're building. We're building. Um, I did not get a pick ready, but I'm just going to go chalk here and take Alabama minus 21 over Mississippi State. I think Nick Saban, after, after that loss to Tennessee, is going to be a madman. I think he's going to keep the foot on the gas the entire game. Uh, 21 is a decent amount of points. Mississippi State isn't terrible, but I, just, I think Alabama coming off a loss like that, I think he's going to go scorched earth. I do love um, betting Alabama after a loss. Yeah. Also crazy, I'm looking at DraftKings right now. They have a couple lines for next week game. They have Ohio State, Penn State already listed. What, do you, what would you expect that spread to be? I, I bet it's double digits. 14 and a half, Ohio State. I honestly thought it would be more. I thought, it would, I thought it would be like 17, 18. I think the history of Penn State playing Ohio State close. Of course. And, and it being at home is right. the only reason. Plays into not. that. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I Normally, you don't see lines I'll, for I'll, like two weeks ahead. I'll put it this way. I bet if we'd gotten blown out by Ohio State last week and we were playing Michigan next week, the spread would be ah. in the 20s. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. All right, so that is your episode. We are moving past the debacle at Michigan. We are on to Minnesota. We are ready for the whiteout. Like I said, I will be there. If you guys are there, if you're tailgating, DM me on Twitter. Let's meet up. We'd love to have a beer with you guys. Um, thank you for listening. Tail Pat's picks. You're going to win some money this week. He's going to go three for three. He's going to yes. nail it. Feeling it. And uh, let's get a big win. Thank you, guys. We are.